Hello and welcome to Celtic Down Under. My name is Laura and I'm joined by Liam as we kick off the coverage for Group D, which contains France, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. Am I right, Liam? <laughs> yes, you are. I am. Uh, before we get started, uh, a beautiful me. shirt there, France 98, and I believe I see a number 10 peeking out there, so it must be a Zidane yep. shirt. That's Fantastic. Zidane shirt, yes. The um, o- one of the only shirts I'll let you wear in red, white and blue, Liam, I have to say. <laughs> I'm even starting to get the bald spot, so, you know, I'm working on it. I mean, some people take these uh, these these um, adorations of players far too far, but we'll not go into that. <laughs> um at least you weren't shaving the bald patch at the back to look like him, my goodness. Like, God, Do you remember the time there was the wee boy in England that did that? He got the Sven Gorn Eriksson haircut. <laughs> we'll need he to find like, a picture he of that. Like shaved his head up to about here. So he could... Uh, it, was, it, it was Yeah, I got a Sven. Excellent, excellent. Um, but uh, less said about England, the better. We are here <laughs> to talk about France. Obviously, the defending champions, France, mm. um, and favourites to perhaps retain their crown. Um, Liam, looking at the at the the group draw, um, mm. some might say not the easiest group in the world with with Denmark in there and with Australia, who always like to batter in goals in the group stages of the World Cup. Do yeah. any of them pose a threat to France and their potential um, defence of this this World Cup? Now, I'm going to qualify what I'm about to say here by saying that France have some of the best players in the world in their squad. They are. They have an outstanding pedigree. Uh, only Germany and Brazil have won the World Cup more often than France have. Right? Mm-hmm. They're tied. They're tied with Argentina in joint third on two World Cups apiece. Yep. Um, but, but there is something of an of an emerging tradition where the defending champions tend to crash and burn in the following World Cup. They did that and... themselves in two thousand and two, didn't they? Yep, and I've got a feeling it could happen again. Um, wow, wow. Because Denmark have already beaten them twice in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia are a team that are capable of surprising us. So I think that is two potential banana skins for France. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, put it this way, right? I I do a I do a group section bet, but I bet each team to win the group, win each group, and I got I got four to one on Denmark to win this group, and I'm quite happy with that price do you because know I think I think they will. It's not too it's not too out there to say so, but um, we'll we'll talk about Denmark in a in a further video. Let's let's look at France and their qualifying um group and how they got to the World Cup. Obviously, um, like you said. So much of the work of getting to the World Cup is about, um, you know, what you do when you're there, but you obviously have to qualify at the same time. Um, so there you go. They've they've overcome a group which I have to say, you know, Ukraine are a, are a tricky side at the best of times, but given the way their the end of their World Cup campaign was impacted by other events, um, you can excuse them for not making it. Finland, Bosnia and Herzegovina and Kazakhstan are not exactly stellar opponents there. Uh, France, we talked about the the qualifying group of Poland uh, in the last video that we did uh, in quite opposite fashion. France should have and did absolutely walk this group. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, Ukraine are the only team there that look capable of giving them any trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Finland, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about a team whose one of the star players is Glenn Kamara. Let's leave it at that. Yikes, um. yikes. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of um, how you think the group's going to go, let's have a look at the um, group fixtures for France. Um, it's, mm. it's as we've said in, in previous videos, or I've, I, I've said in numerous occasions, it's all about how how you deal with not only the teams you're up against, but the sequence of games that you're up against. They have a gimme against Tunisia in the last match. I don't think anybody's going to doubt them no. um, winning that one. It's whether that becomes a must win and what pressure that puts on them um, that, that will be interesting. They open against uh, Australia on the 22nd of November. What Do you think Australia pose any threat to them there? Uh, do you think... Uh, or is Denmark really the one that they need to look out for? Going by the form guide, Australia shouldn't give them any problems, but going by the way what defending champions traditionally open up their World Cups, mm-hmm. um, Australia have got a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, Senegal, Cameroon, you know, there's plenty of precedent there Absolutely. where it can be done. Um, I am really, though, I mean, apart from perhaps Spain versus Germany, France-Denmark is the tie of the round for me. That is going to be a fascinating game. Um, because Denmark, as I say, Denmark have beaten France twice in the mm-hmm. Nations League recently. And much was said of, oh, but it's only the Nations League. When France are taking it seriously, you know, they'll 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 turn it on. Um, Denmark got further in the last Euros than France did. Yeah. Um, were very, very unlucky to lose out to England in the semi-final. Um, I think uh, I think people underestimate Denmark and France could possibly fall into that trap. And the fact that they're playing each other as their second game, um, if France do not take care of Australia, because I fully expect Denmark to, to beat Tunisia, mm-hmm. um, that game suddenly suddenly takes on a whole new light where it becomes an essential win for France. Yeah. Although they do still have the savour of Tunisia last if they if they don't get there. I'll tell you something, though. You don't want to be the big team going into the final match needing a win against the Minnow at the World Cup who are all set to um, probably bow out in, a, in a, a ball of flames, if you like. Tunisia will be up for that last match. Let's not forget that they have a lot of, um, uh, you know, French immigrant population in Tunisia, Um there will be there will be a determination there to 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 show France what's what they're made of. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of pressure that they're under. Um, having said all that, and I do agree with your with your assessment. I do agree with it that that it might not be the it might not be the the kind of easy run to the final that France. Um, that France have. They, they do have some amount of players, which we'll get into, but before we do that, we'll look at the, the their World Cup history. And I have to say, I mean, I, I... I think of them as... Perhaps because of my age, I think of them as World Cup royalty. I, I thought of them as up there with a Germany or a Brazil or something of that ilk. 
Yeah, they, 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 did, they didn't do much before 1998 apart no. from like, the European that, Championship. That shocked, <laughs> me, that shocked me when I was looking into it, to be honest. I mean, you've got yeah. a third place there in 86 in Mexico, a third place in Sweden, a fourth place in Spain. But they didn't qualify in 1990, didn't qualify in 94, didn't qualify in 70 or 74, didn't qualify in 62, um, didn't qualify in 1950. And and most of the time that they did qualify, apart from those, they 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 seem to be seem to be one of these teams who who it's all or nothing for. They either turn up and get like really really far, or they're not there at all. It's a it's a weird they, one. That... They go in waves, you know, like the the French team of eighty two to eighty six, mm-hmm. which won the European Championship in eighty four, is arguably one of the best teams to not win a World Cup. You know, yeah, yeah. Michel Platini, Jean Tigana, etc., etc. Right. Um, but then they went on a slide for about fifteen years. Yeah. France '98, they burst back onto the scene and win the tournament. And pretty much since then, they've been an established World Cup force. Mm-hmm. But it was another twenty years before they actually won the tournament again. Yeah, um, I wonder. I wonder, looking at this, whether this is a factor. Now, obviously, as you've pointed out, champions in '98 out at the group stage in 2002, then mm. were runners up at the next World Cup, then were out at the group stage in South Africa. That kind of up and down uh, nature of the way that they go is 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 evident mm-hmm. there. But I wonder, yeah. looking at that, whether there's a there's a, a reason to think this might be different. And the, and the reason I bring that up is if you look here, they qualified for 2002 as defending champions. So they essentially didn't have to play competitive football to get to that 2002 World Cup. Whereas obviously that's no longer the case and they've had to come through a qualifying group even as defending champions to get to this World Cup. Do you mm. think having to do that will make a difference to their, their performance at this World Cup? What I would say, though, to counter that is they did win a European Championship in between them. That's true. That's true. So there was still that the pressure of being uh, European champions as well as world champions. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I think Germany are the only other team that's ever actually done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, being world and European champions at the same time. Uh, Spain? Oh, uh, yep, you're right. Yep, sorry. 2012, mm-hmm. yep, Spain. Mm-hmm. Aye. Uh, yeah, but um... Um, but yeah, the um, another interesting thing about France, which I wanted to bring up though, just kind of talking about the makeup of the team, um, as as I'm sometimes want to do, I got into an argument on the internet with somebody about this a while ago. Um, there was a I like my my shirts, as you know, I collect retro football shirts. Yeah, and. Uh, Someone posted a picture of a, of the France shirt from the uh, eighty four European Championship, which they won, which okay. is actually a, a similar design to the, to the ninety eight shirt. Yes, uh, obviously yeah. made famous by Michel Platini and his pomp at yeah. that time, I, I believe. Yeah. Now, uh, a commenter uh, made the rather xenophobic comment, "Oh yes, back when France was actually France and not Africa, right?" So I did a bit of digging on this. The 2018 World Cup, the 24-man squad, right? Mm-hmm. Three of them were born outside France. Okay. Okay? So three out of 24. Yep. Now, 
when they won the European Championship, it was an 18-man squad. Mm -hmm. And Jean Tigana was born outside of France. And Louis Fernandez was born in Spain. <laughs> so actually, proportionately, in terms of percentages, the 2018 one was more French-born than the 1984 team that this guy said was a proper French team. I mean, this is this is what happens when you shout your mouth off and you have no idea what you're talking about, basically. Yeah. B basically, as yeah. we are doing in these set of videos, as will <laughs> become clear at the World Cup. But, yeah, yeah. I mean... The idea of immigration and the idea of representing a country that is not of your birth is not an, a new thing. Uh, and I've said, we, we've said it already. We said it when we were doing the Qatar video. Mm -hmm. I have no particular issue with who you want to represent. You represent the country you want to represent. I don't think it matters where you were born. To me, and again, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but the whole national issue, it's a bit like... It's a bit like the gender issue these days. It's like, however somebody wants to be, if you want to identify whatever way you want to identify, up to you. None of my business. If that person chooses to be French, even if they were not born there, and they go there and they earn that passport by, you know, but, but here's, where it, here's where I would slightly correct you. It is not mm. about choosing to be French. It is about choosing to represent France, whatever that mm. means to you. Sorry, that, that's an important I. That's an important um, distinction there. You're right. You're it's right. like, I would presume you have a lot of love yourself for Japan and Japanese culture, and uh, you've chosen to live your life there. You're married to a Japanese woman. I could see you feeling like you want to represent Japan in so many ways. And I don't see a problem with that. Well, I mean, that's the thing. If, um, you know, I, I've i been in Japan for more than five years now. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I'll be 39 next week, so I'm too old to probably represent Japan in any Olympic <laughs> sport. But, but the fact is, if I was offered the choice, do you want to play for Scotland or play for Japan? It would be a very difficult choice to make. Yeah. Because yeah. I was born in Scotland. I obviously look and sound Scottish. But I've lived in Japan for most of my adult life. Mm -hmm. And like you say, my wife is Japanese. Most of my friends are Japanese. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky one. And that I totally it. understand how people can go to another country and become part of that country. Um, it is an interesting one and with that said and the reason we, we went off on that tangent is because it's an accusation I think that is levelled at France more than perhaps any other team um, which yeah. which I think is relevant in this situation but having said all that and having having you know given our two pence worth let's look at the players who will be representing France at this World Cup Yeah. Um, so um, we'll start with the attackers because that's the exciting bit Obviously, um, Christopher and Kunku, uh, who you know gave us a see into in the in the Champions League with with Leipzig, mm. a player I was very excited to potentially see at this World Cup, unfortunately suffered an injury. He's been replaced by Randall Kolomani of Eintracht Frankfurt, who, for all he's worth, um, I think is probably less likely to feature with any significance than Nkunku would have been. He is essentially a placeholder, I think. Uh, he's, he's a make weight in case somebody else gets injured. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. But, but looking at the rest of that forward line, that is where the threat is going to come from for France, I'm pretty sure. You've got Antoine Griezmann, who's a World Cup winner, Olivier Giroud, who's a World Cup winner, Osimani Dembele of, of Barcelona, Kylian Mbappé, who's a World Cup winner, Karim Benzema, who did not win the World Cup because he was not in the 2018 squad for, for mm. reasons not entirely related to football. You've got Kingsley Coleman of Bayern Munich and you've got Marcus Turam, son of the great Lillian Turam, uh, mm. playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach. You've got to say, haven't you, that um, regardless of how the rest of the team shapes up, this is where the, the World Cup's going to be made or broken for, for France. Yeah, and as a, you know, as a as a, someone who's very nostalgic for the 98 World Cup, it's good to see a two-ram in the World Cup squad again. Absolutely. Um, um, Liam's uh, tip for uh, retro shirts led me to uh, purchase a Parma shirt with uh, with Mr. Lillian Turam on the back, which I should have mm. worn for this particular video, but I have to say it's an absolute cracker. Um, again, thank you very much for that tip, but we'll not go into exactly that, the nature of it. That would um, be the yellow and blue hoops, wouldn't it? Uh, so I got the white one with the yellow and blue sort of um, oh, I, I know the one you're talking on the, about. On yeah, the on, sleeves. On the, yep. Aye. Yeah. Aye. So, um, but yes, the yellow and blue hoops is another one, but you've just made me think I might go back and get a Crespo one of that one. Oh, <laughs> anyway, um, yep. looking at the midfield for France, we've got Camavinga of Real Madrid again, um, hmm. kind of scared the living daylights out of Celtic in the Champions <laughs> League this season. Matteo Guendouzi of Marseille. Perhaps a bit of an also ran at Arsenal, but has found his feet at Marseille and, and, and found his way into the France squad and, and earned every right to be there. Adrian Rabio, a bit of a, a guilty a guilty pleasure of mine, Adrian Rabio. One of those players who I couldn't believe PSG let go the way that they did, and, and a player who for all his uh, ups and downs and all his trials and tribulations, is is a phenomenal talent who I think could could really provide um, some creative spark from the midfield. Chuameni of Real Madrid, um, that that Real Madrid heart of the heart of the midfield will be key. Um, Jordan Veretout from Marseille and Yusuf Fafana from Monaco. Um, mm. Obviously, um, Ngolo Kante, Paul Pogba, two big names that are missing out from this France midfield. But you have to say, I don't think they are any weaker for it. No, and it's good to see so many players from the uh, league on getting into the the squad, and not in the P and not not in the PSG squad specifically. Yes, I I particularly um, because I think that teams like Marseille and Monaco are really good to watch. Um, I've got a particular soft spot for Marseille. I've always enjoyed watching them. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I really think that the, the French League does get overlooked um, because for me, on its day, it's as entertaining and the football is as uh, as of as high a standard as Italy, Spain or England. Yeah, the French League is one of those ones where I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an avid watcher of it, um, but I, but if I see a game on that's of interest to me, I'll switch it on, and I'm never bored. Uh, you, you you very rarely, if ever, see a bad game in France. That's the thing. They don't they don't do nothing. Each draws over there, you know. Yeah, um, a bit disrespectful to call it the Farmers League that people like to try and do to to talk down Lionel Messi's achievements there. But um, mm. but that's that's football fans for you. Um, looking at the defence, we've got uh, William Saliba of Arsenal, a fantastic player who's having a great yes. season for Arsenal. It has to be said. 
uh, Raphael Varane for Manchester United, um, Ibrahim Kanati for Liverpool, De Sassi for Monaco, uh, Pavard, the scorer of that famous World Cup goal at uh, oh. the last tournament. Uh, talk about a clean hit volley, by the way. Um, uh, Dale Upamecano of Bayern Munich, Lucas Hernandez of Bayern Munich, Theo Hernandez of AC Milan, and Jules Kounde of Barcelona. The, the thing that stands out to me about this more than anything is having just recorded the Poland um, video that we did for the end of Group C just there, you looked through that squad and you saw a plethora of players playing for what were far from the top tier of European football teams. Look at that. I mean, you've got Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, Monaco, Bayern Munich, AC Milan and Barcelona. If that's not an endorsement of the quality of these players, then I don't know what is. That's uh, as a as a computer game enthusiast, that is like a FIFA Ultimate Team, right? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, but then again, I did predict that France might make a Canati of it in the first round. So we'll have to oh jeez, oh jeez. <laughs> now, he, now here's where here's where your prediction could become correct. I think mm, looking at goalkeepers. the goalkeepers, we've got Alphonse Ariola, Hugo Lloris, and Stephen Mandanda of Stadrone. Hugo Reese is, I believe, the captain, I believe, the first-choice goalkeeper. But having done a bit of research into this team and having lo- watched a bit of Tottenham specifically this season, mm-hmm. he's not averse to a clangor, Hugo Lloris. And going the other way, having watched quite a bit of West Ham because they are kind of my English team that I follow because my best mate over here is a West Ham supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I think Ariola's a better keeper. Than, mm-hmm. than Loris, I honestly do, um, and I think it's uh, it's purely on past reputation that Loris is the number one because I, I on form I don't think he should be. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of these situations where you know being in Britain, I know that you'll not be subjected to this in, in, in as much uh, detail, but. Being in Britain, you constantly hear criticism of Gareth Southgate and the England team being that he's too loyal to certain players and doesn't go on form. This could be a situation where for France, that's exactly the case. And and they, they go with the player they feel loyal to in goals when actually any form guide or any sense would tell them that the choice has to be Ariola. Do you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm contradicting myself by saying this, but I'm going to stick up for Gareth Southgate because I think I've read some of the stuff that's been fired at him and it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, he gets them to a semi final, then a final. What more, what more do they want? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's one situation in which I will stick up for it. It, it. it just says everything that it needs to say that you and I would choose to stick up for a manager. Because the England fans are criticising them. <laughs> no, but that, but that's the thing though. It's like they, they bring it, they bring it on themselves. Honestly, that level of entitlement is why nobody outside of England wants England to win this World Cup. You know? <laughs> yeah, they they spend their entire time talking about how they want they should be in finals, they should be in semi finals, they should be winning the World Cup, and they never get anybody good enough to get them there. Then they get somebody who gets them there and says he's not the type of manager we want. It's crazy. <laughs> But back to France anyway, it yes. is, you you know, this this particular video has gone back and forth between you suggesting that maybe they, they are going to crash and burn it as defending champions. Then, as I thought might be the case, you look through the squad and you get very excited about their potential impact, but better mm-hmm. squads than this have gone out for France. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the 2002 squad was arguably better than this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Again, looking at France as uh, the kind of the kind of waveform of their of their World Cup participation, um, they are either going to get in round one or they're going to win the damn thing. That, that's kind of yeah. It will be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. Um, I, for one, will be tuning in for as many of their matches as possible because yes. uh, I am I am slightly more positive about their potential outcomes than you are. But one thing's for sure is viewing them is not going to be boring anyway. Yeah, I just want to make clear that I don't. I'm not being down on France particularly because they are a very good team to watch. I really like a lot of their players, and you know, I've I've had very good positive interactions with French supporters over the years. Um, had a really nice time with some Lyon fans when they came to play Celtic back in the early 2000s. Um, met some really nice Marseille fans when I was in Osaka. Um, so I've got. You know, a lot of time for the French and a lot of time for their style of football, but I just think that the pressure of being defending champions and the, uh, shall we say, ego management issues of uh, players like Mbappe could possibly have a self-destructive effect. We shall see, we shall see. Um, Thank you very much for joining me, Liam. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to France regardless. Uh, and yep. please don't forget to watch all of our previous World Cup uh, preview videos. We have more to come as we are covering every single team. And join us next time for Denmark. See you then.